Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Movie Mastery. That's right, that's the podcast where we watch the movies that you tell us to. And uh, it's me, it's me, your host, it's John. You remember me, John? John, from the good old days, you know, remember, remember who you are. Also, Jeff is here. Yes, just like the old times. Come on, just like old times, man. You remember? Mm-hmm. You remember when we used to get together in high school and we'd go and we'd play? And that's why I want to talk to you about an investment opportunity. <laughs> Hi, I'm here on Facebook and I just want you to know that I've got some sort of deal or something I'm selling. I've got Lululemon NFTs. <laughs> you know they're coming. I'm just getting there on the forefront of them. You can own a digital link to a pair of ugly le- leggings. That's right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You own them. <laughs> you don't own the leggings. No, you have no rights to you the leggings. You have a receipt that shows that you own a link to the leggings. Indeed. Like the, their store page. Yeah, on Lululemon. Uh-huh. 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 And they've got an awful paisley print on them, and they make your butt look weird. <laughs> but they won't but make that's you... all part of the sell. Yeah, not your butt, obviously, because you you'll never own or hold the leggings. Indeed. Yeah. But I need to get you into my downstream, man. Man? John. It's me, Jeff, your old pal from high, you know, from high school. <laughs> you know, from high school. Come on. Hey, remember that time you'd where we a... <laughs> had a class together? That time that we did Activity X? Look, you'd be a fool for passing up on this opportunity. God damn, I did love Activity X. I, that I, shit was tight. Has that ever actually happened to you? Never. Not me either. I, maybe it's just Because I don't it. accept friend requests from anyone who <laughs> would do that. I'm friends with a few of my old high school people, sure, including some I haven't seen since, like, shortly after high school. But even then, not a one, ever, has been like, hey, I'm doing whatever. Is, do you have a girlfriend in the house who might benefit from some products? Or, I, I don't know. Maybe I just had good friends. Yeah, no. Like I said, there's no one that I know that would be like, ah, yes, I know. I'll accept a friend request from this random person I barely knew. So uh, if any of you, listeners, if any of you have had that fun experience of like an old acquaintance suddenly showing up in your mentions and being like, hey, how about that multi-level marketing, huh? Huh? Let us know. It's not a scam. I want to hear all about it because it's never happened to me. Yeah. I'm I'm almost jealous because I want to shut someone down for it very hard. I just want to be righteously angry so badly. And yet never. Anytime anyone messages me on Facebook, it's always just like, hey, man. And then I'm unrighteously angry at them, and it sucks (laughs) for me. I don't want you to say hey to me. (laughs) Fuck you, buddy. Wow, why are you so unrighteously angry? I don't know. Uh, We watched a movie. Yeah, we watched Renaissance Man, a 1994 movie with Danny DeVito, where he's got to reach these kids. Yeah, so around the early night, I, I forget when Stand and Deliver came out because I feel like that's kind of the the. I mean, I, I the seed to this. Well, yeah, because you had Stand and Deliver, you had the uh, Dangerous Minds. Dangerous Minds is the one I was trying to think of. Yeah, yes. these uh, these movies about about uh, a, t- a room of tough kids and a new teacher, <laughs> a room of tough to teach, aka black kids. Yeah, well, I mean, Stand and Deliver, they were I think Hispanic. A Dangerous Minds, yes, yes. Uh, in this, we've got an interesting mix of of uh, black kids from Detroit and uh, like white kids from like the middle of nowhere, North Dakota. Yeah, and um, then you know, one Hispanic guy. Oh yeah, that's right. There is one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and also one kid from New York. Am I? Am I? Come on, what am I hey. saying? I'm from New York. Look at the look, look hey. at my ugly glasses. I look like. I look like, uh, what's his name? Nathan Robinson hey, from I Think me, You Should Leave. Donnie. <laughs> I'm your boy, Donnie. Yo, from the block, hey. Oh. That's, what's it, Lilit, Lilit something or other, Bronco? Lilo Broncato. Yeah, he's the, he's the kind of guy who's actually in a bunch of like, mob movies and shit. Yeah. Yeah, you don't see him anywhere else. 
but, but yeah, it's it's one of those. If you've seen any one of these movies, you already know every beat of this. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's basically like, all right, we're going to try and teach these kids. We're going to sister act too real hard at these motherfuckers. Yeah. All right. What's the one hook that will get them? And there's always one hook. Yeah, there's always one thing that somehow parallel connects to all of their hip urban interests. Oh, yeah. And they're like, they're like, yeah, I really see myself in cal- in calculus, Mr. Lamont. Please teach me more and I will turn it into a hip rap. Yeah, it's, it's always just, hey, <laughs> spins chair around. Did you know someone else was a gangster? Yes. <laughs> Some say Copernicus was the original OG. God damn it. I was actually thinking Copernicus. I hate you so much. <laughs> oh, we spent too much time together. Oh, I didn't want to say Jesus. He was the first name that I know, of course, because that's what you originally think with the spin chair around. But then you're well, like, the other thing is, here's the, here's the way that who we got both... in trouble. Who was a gangster? Yeah, let's. Well, there's a reason we both arrived at Copernicus, because Copernicus got in trouble. Yeah. And because the movie's about a fucking Shakespeare thing. So you can't just do that one because that's the most obvious one. Yeah. And when we say like, oh, I'm going to take your 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 uh, attempts at urban patois, Mr. Lamont, and turn him into a hip rap that the youth will appreciate, I want you to you, you pick up from what I'm saying that I am conveying that the director of this was Penny fucking Marshall. Yes. Uh, Penny Marshall, real hip and down with what the kids are with these days, yo. <laughs> Which is why she could arrange such cool hip urban... Uh, uh, guest stars as Ed Begley Jr., <laughs> James Remar, and Gregory Hines. <laughs> I actually I read the goofs page for this, and one of the things in like the trivia was that uh, she wanted I think it was Forrest Whitaker for mm-hmm. the role of of that the Gregory Hines plays. Yeah, he was unavailable. She had to take Gregory Hines, and she didn't want to because she thought that Gregory Hines, no matter what he does, is nice. <laughs> Uh, he he just looks nice. All to me, he kind of looks like if Vincent Schiavelli was black. He's got the same kind of nose and mouth. <laughs> All right. I, maybe I'm crazy. Maybe I'm amazed. <laughs> but anyway, uh, yeah, it, it's all I'm trying to convey by that is that these are always written by the, the least hip white people. you and, and it's so bad. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. So this movie isn't even bad. It's just so paint by the numbers that it feels like a parody of the genre. Oh, yeah. No, I thing is, I remember I saw this like not when it came out, but I definitely saw this at some point in like the mid to late 90s yeah and uh man that came flooding back to me when i was watching this i was like oh shit that's right i saw this it has mark Wahlberg in it it's mark Wahlberg's first movie <laughs> and and uh trivia for you john uh there's a point in the movie where they make fun of him for having no rhythm and mark Wahlberg, of course uh, led to this career from being a professional rapper it, indeed mm. a professional in a, a funky bunch trivia for you, a little trivia. A little trivia yeah. page I'm for really you. excited about the trivia page, because it was the most interesting thing that happened to me all day <laughs> yesterday. <Huh? laughs> oh, yeah, the trivia page for the movies we do is almost always just like, wow, really? Yeah, uh, there was another one that was like, there's a point where, um, I, I don't want to waste the entire movie, but there's one where, where uh, uh, the teacher is talking about oxymorons, and of the things he lists, almost almost none of them are actually oxymorons. Yeah. Most of them are joke Like, military... Yes. People always cite military intelligence as a joke oxymoron uh, because they think that the military is stupid. It's not actually an oxymoron, it's a joke. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yes. So, I mean, same thing with, like, lead balloon. You can make a balloon out of lead. Nothing's stopping you. <laughs> it's a bad idea, not an oxymoron. <laughs> you could do it. Yeah. Mythbusters fucking did it. Now, of course... Jumbo Shrimp, 
Now that's an oxymoron. There you go. That's a re- that's a legitimate oxymoron. Yeah. All right. You know what? Let's get into it. Yeah. Uh, you know what these fucking are. You've seen one of them. Yeah. I mean, hey, spoiler. It's gonna be. Eh. <laughs> there you go. Uh, we're gonna get into the full plot though when we play a little music and come right on back and tell you all about Danny DeVito, who is a real renaissance man. Brace yourself as the beat hits you. Dip, trip, We have returned, and now we look once more twice upon horizon. <laughs> we look once more twice. Indeed, <laughs> once more twice upon the horizon. Well, let me tell you what my elf eyes see. <laughs> now gaze ye with your gray eyes upon this. We few, we band of brothers. Because this isn't this isn't enough for it to just be a fucking Shakespeare Hamlet movie. Oh yeah, it's got to be a Henry V movie as well. Well, because it's military you know, guys, it's, it's yeah. military guys. So even though the entire movie is about teaching uh, military guys who are just too dumb mm-hmm. about Hamlet, uh, we have to have the Band of Brothers speech at one point, just because you know yeah. you, you have to. Although they cut it, it wasn't the right Band of Brothers speech. They 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 cut a huge chunk out of it right in the middle. Like I'm well, not, I mean, I'm not the biggest Shakespeare expert, but they cut the whole part about how Englishmen will feel sick because they weren't there. No, they didn't. No, they did. There's a huge chunk missing from the speech. Trust me, it's in the goofs. It's in the goofs. It's in the fucking goofs. That's why I said. That's why I copped to not being a huge Henry. It's not like I'm, I'm intimately familiar with Shakespeare's fucking histories. Those things suck. You fucking Shit. suck, Shakespeare. Shakespeare, come at me. Yeah, what's he gonna do? He's been dead uh, for 400 years. At me, Shakespeare. Yeah, come on. Here's my address. I'm calling you out. Come get some. <laughs> come, come down to the Cotillon if you want an ass kicking. <laughs> no, I just haven't really paid that much attention to the histories outside of the really boring like sonnets, like fucking I don't know, Trollius and Cressida or whatever. Well, I mean, I, he I, does I, have a bit in like he doesn't skip everything that is like, oh, Englishmen are going to be sad that they weren't with us. No, but there is a, there is a line missing in the middle of the speech, presumably. Which, I mean, he's reciting it from memory. Yeah. Is this random I've got soldier? No problem with it. It's fine. Hey, I'm just saying it's interesting. Hey. I'm in, in interesting decision. I think they just did it because they didn't need that part. Yeah, you got you yeah. got to make it flow better. Yeah, I like and I like that that officer, Private Benitez. I should say that soldier, Private Benitez, uh, was canny enough to on the fly in the rain in the middle of a midnight workout session at, for at his drill sergeant's request selectively edit Henry V's famous monologue so that it would flow better for the film. Well, what I'm saying is he just forgot those lines and kept going. <laughs> Wait, you missed a part. That would be great. If that, that was with the drill sergeant. Fucking Gregory Hines is like, whoa, 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 back it I, up. <laughs> what about the part where they're going to feel sick? Get huh? back to that. Huh? Yeah, that's right. Now drop and give me 10 more lines. I want 20 sonnets <laughs> on my desk. Uh... So yeah, we uh we don't start with the military or anything like that. We start with Danny DeVito's Bill Rago, who is in advertising. I gotta say, this movie opens with so much ADR for humor that I feel like it for like, I, I, it's like it's trying to set it up to be a different kind of movie. Because by the end, it's a hundred percent fucking heartwarming Danny DeVito schlock. But at the beginning, he's on a phone call because he's a marketing executive, but he's stuck in traffic. Yeah, he's got a big account that he has to get and uh pitch to this food company but he's stuck in traffic because they're doing a bunch of construction and you know hey he's walking over here or whatever yeah 
And uh, so he has to call in on his big old 94 cell phone. Yeah, which he complains about. He's like, cell phones, am I right? You know, that kind of thing. Nobody will use these in the future. Yeah, and uh, the person who's trying to cover for him at the meeting is Ed Begley Jr. in a two-minute appearance. uh, And everybody in the room hates that he's not there. It's like the worst thing he's ever done in his life. So there's these two, like, ad executives who are like, we represent simple foods. Uh, We we scheduled a meeting two hours before we had a plane to leave. This is an unmitigated insult. (laughs) Like, fuck Indignity. You. You're the one who decided to schedule your meeting right before you leave. I refuse to carry on a meeting while looking at a at a uh, desk phone. Oh. We're, we're taking our food budget and going, Buffy. <laughs> it's so weird because they. It's not even like oh we can't do the pitch because he has all the like stills and the visual shit they have literally everything for the pitch right there he's just supposed to be waving his tiny arms around and gesticulating what stiffly at a picture and without that i guess first of all he gets fired for this immediately and i'm like no you should fire everybody in the fucking room for this because if he died that day you'd still have to do the pitch and someone else would have to do it you need to cross pollinate your work environment oh yeah every one of your marketing team needs to be able to do the fucking pitch yeah if if for some reason there was a problem where he could not go. Like he got in a car crash or something, and you're about to lose your $5 million food account. Yeah. The other motherfuckers in the room should be able to go, all right, well, he can't make it, but I know what it is. Ed Begley Jr., if you can't step up and pitch the food account, why aren't you fired? <laughs> Put an essay on my desk in iambic pentameter. <laughs> but yeah, so... But it's a, it's a shtick. It's all fucking the, the opening of this movie is all shtick because he's like on the phone like yeah 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 the next slide should have a picture of a man in jail and he's like looking it's like it's like a shrink wrap cake in a jail okay and and uh, the sheriff not a fat guy a fat guy he, oh, wait you two guys aren't fat are you you're not fat okay good you're not fat all right then I can keep my pitch going I didn't insult you on accident by assuming you was fat you know it's that kind of shit yeah well it's just it's the oh he's calling in on his cell phone but for some reason he has decided in the middle of this. To yell at a guy at traffic, which is his own fault. Let's yeah. be honest. He also here. got out of his car to pace right as the car started moving. Yeah, like well, he's messing. He is granted. He is messing up the account. I'm just saying. There's a lot of blame. Like, I'm not saying he shouldn't be fired, but so should everybody. Yeah, and also they should cut those two clients. They're too difficult. Yeah, that was a bullshit thing. You don't need that. Um, but anyway, he gets fired, goes back home, and j- just to layer on the shtick, he gets a phone call from like a furniture rental company that's like, hello, it's you love to rent furniture. You love to rent, but apparently you don't love to pay. The truck will be there in the morning. And I'm like, no one does that. That's Are you setting this up to be a goofy slapstick comedy Cause that's, or sad sack comedy? Because that's what's happening. But we're not. He is a serious person. See- the beginning of this very much feels like it's about to be a bad dad Christmas movie yeah. because that's what the feel of this is. It's you got a guy who's too much into his job, even though he's getting fucked up. He's got all of these worries and concerns, and his daughter wants to go to uh, see an eclipse mm-hmm. with her astronomy class in Mexico, and uh, she's like. Mom said no, but you you've got all the money, Daddy. You're the one who can you send got, me. You Daddy. just landed that big new food account. So, and wh- like he didn't call back and go, No, I didn't. People are about to take my furniture away. Your father is destitute. And when I go by your mother's house, she's living in a like two story, super nice in the suburbs house. Yeah. 
Well, it's obvious that that used to be his house. I think there's a point in this movie where he mentions he's being crippled by alimony payments. Yeah. But that said, he should still be willing to be honest with his teenage daughter and be like, look, I can't afford that either. Instead, he's just like, ah, you don't want to go there. Mexico's dangerous and you won't be able to see any stars anyway. What, what? And I'm like, dude, your pride is less important than just telling this girl that she can't go. I mean, even more than that, it's... Ah, uh, you don't want to do astronomy. That shit sucks. You'll never make money. That's true. He also just told her not to. Because that's part of the whole bad dad, I care more about business than my kids thing is, ah, oh, you need to worry about business, daughter. Business is where it's at. Yeah. And she did. She went on to be a very, uh, uh, she's in like a million things. That's oh, Al- yeah. Alana Ubach. Uh-huh. She's, uh, most recently was the voice of the gran- the uh, grandma in Coco. Yeah. Not Coco. The, no. The, the, the mean one. The one who was like, I said you want more tamales. So she gets work. She's she's always around. <laughs> uh. Um. Anyway, so his sad sackery lands him in a position where he can't send her on her precious trip to Mexico to look at a solar eclipse. But like a bad dad, Christmas dad, he can't just own up to that. He has to be like, I'm going to find a ways. Uh, and so, I mean, at least he's like, oh, he has to go to the unemployment office. Which might, the unemployment office is basically what if Penny Marshall thought that black people took over Sesame Street. Like it is, her her vision of what the inner city is like is, oh, everyone's singing and dancing all the time. Oh yeah, there's but an entire sad. acapella group yeah. outside of the unemployment office. Singing a song about the unemployment office. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like there always is. Ugh. <laughs> oh. And then he gets up to the employment line, and he's being mean. And oh, the, yeah. the lady behind the employment desk is like, you're in the wrong line. You need to go to this line. He's like, my time is very valuable. And she's like, it isn't really. You're, you're up, here. You're, you're in the unemployment line. But this is classic old 90s unemployment, which is realistically 70s unemployment because Penny Marshall hasn't checked, didn't check what time it was for 30 years. Oh, yeah. Where, where you go into the unemployment office, and they're like, great, here's a check, and we'll call you tomorrow with a fresh new job. Yeah. It's <laughs> the unemployment of being like, Ah, yes, you don't get anything, but we'll make you work anything. Like, that's right, you have to go be a farmhand now if we say so. Yeah, what are you good at? Can you operate a forklift? He's like, I'm an advertising executive. I I can do that. kind. And she's like, sir, you're not being realistic with me. And he's like, I am. I wouldn't lie to you and say I can use a forklift. (laughs) I mean, I do appreciate that she at least is like, look, I get that you're pissed off. You're someone who went to, like, Harvard Business School, you're used to being an advertising guy. Clearly, this is hard for you. I understand. I get it. But I do this eight but hours a day. But you need to day. not be an asshole. I, do a hundred of, I, I see a hundred of you a day, and I feel for you guys, and I shouldn't, but I do. So please, work with me, and I'll work with you. And he, and he kind of does, but he's still really resigned and grumpy about it. And then she calls him with a job. That's right. He's He's going to get a call, and he's like, hey, you can... You can do a teaching job. And he's like, you must be mistaken. I'm not a teacher. Nowhere in my thing does it say I can teach. She's like, fuck you. You have a master's. Uh, yeah, you master's, can teach. You can teach. That's all it takes. And he's like, yeah, but I haven't taught. And and uh, where do you want me to? And she's like, well, you get room and uh, you, you haven't read the, th- the paperwork. Oh, you go into a class. Have you seen schools these days? I'm going to get shot. Oh, that's all right. these kids all... have guns. And she's like, uh, yeah, apparently you haven't read the fine print because, yes, everyone in the class will have a gun. No, they won't. They don't just walk around strapped at basic training in the army. <laughs> That's why it's basic training. They're not like, welcome to the army. Here is your fucking gun. Go to class. <laughs> Get out of here. <laughs> Go learn Shakespeare with this gun. So 
so yeah, the the job is a six week, and this is really important for the the pivotal moment that happens in all of these fucking movies, where the students feel like the teacher has betrayed them, and then they the teacher is forced to win back their trust with a giant display. Yes. Um. Anyway, just keep it in mind. It's a six week temp job where he needs to go teach the eight worst students in the army basic training because they're about to wash out, and he just needs to teach them comprehension, not anything in particular, just be less dumb. Yeah, I love that they were like, all right, we need you to come in and, like, tutor these students, all right, in what? Not being stupid. That's not a class. What do you want me to teach them? Just teach them basic comprehension. And he's like, what What? what, what does that even mean? What does that mean? They're, well, they're bad at understanding things. Make them good at it. <laughs> I, I, are they... Are you saying that, like, English is their second language? They don't literally understand you, mm-hmm. or... When you say comprehension, do you mean if I say... Do they have, like, an aphasia? Is that the problem? Are they dyslexic? What what, what are we doing here? What sort of thing? Nope, just basic comprehension. Here you go. No syllabus, no idea of what sh- you should do. A colonel just said, we need to teach these kids, mm-hmm. and you will teach these kids. Someone has to reach these kids. <laughs> How do I reach these kids? <laughs> Uh, and so he accepts the job, um, because he needs to accept some job. And I assume it's because they threaten to like take away his his unemployment if he doesn't and reports to an army base where he is obviously not thrilled. Uh, the, the, for for him, it's just a series of indignities. Uh, he gets, he, he tries to get through the gate and the guy's like, yeah, you're a civilian. You have to go to the green zone park, go inside and get your boarding pass. And he's like, yeah, but I'm late. I just want to go right to the class. Sir, you need to go inside, park at the green gate, go inside that building and get your pass. And that kind of thing. Then he meets James Remar, who astonishingly to the world is not a villain or a rapist or a martial artist. He is <laughs> James a, a, Remar is not a martial artist, villain, rapist. <laughs> James Remar in this is probably the nicest of military guys. Really nice. Him and the him and the general that runs the base are both very nice. Yeah, that's right. Both Dexter's dad and Uncle Ben are both really nice in this movie. Is that who that was? Yes. Okay. That that was the Tobey Maguire Uncle Ben, was the <laughs> colonel. He basically calls out Rago in a moment that I don't want to forget, so I'll just say it now. When Ray, He gets called in front of Rago's office for undermining the authority of one of the drill sergeants at one point. Oh, yeah. And uh, and and Rago tries to bravado his way out of this. He's like, he's like, the only thing I've ever done in the military is that I carried a, a, a soldier's name from Arlington to the White House once. And the guy goes, like, oh. that's about as enough, enough of the army as I'll ever want to have. Yeah, he's trying to be like, yeah. Because you guys, you guys got a bunch of fuckers killed in Vietnam, and I think you're all shit. And the, the Uncle Ben just goes, huh, what was the name of the soldier who you were carrying? Oh, you don't remember, do you? <laughs> yeah, you don't actually care. You were just at a protest to get laid. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, I mean, it would have gone a very different way if he'd been like, his name was Billy Smith. <laughs> Oh. His his name was James Rago, my brother, you fuck. Yeah, thanks for trying to call me out. <laughs> that would have been amazing. But, it, you know, the the other way is equally amazing, where this dude just gently un- undermines him right away. But, yeah, he gets, then, then he asks for directions to where his classroom is, and someone's like, you know, oh, uh, I'm going to speak to you entirely in military jargon, so you, you have to go to the RPX. That's next to the RPF, but it's not the RPF. You're going to go to the CFPX, turn left, walk half a click, you're going to pass the big tree, you're going to come to the ASPL, you're going to pass the, and he's like, what is any of this? I don't know. what. I'm indignant. Yeah, he, he looks down at his notes, and it's just letters, and he's like, oh, what the, uh. ah. I mean, of course, if 
no matter what he had done, if he was taking notes, it would just be letters. Well, he could have because that's how language works. He could have drawn <laughs> a series of glyphs, just little pictograms. <laughs> I wrote down everything in hieroglyphs. Ah, oh, how am I going to understand? Why this did now? I draw a tiny map? <laughs> this is Dungeons and Dragons here. I drew a secret door. <laughs> I'm going to make sure one of these elves finds it. <laughs> there better be treasure in that ten foot room. Um, but yeah, luckily Remar is super nice. And when he finally gets a hold of him, he's like, hey, yeah, so here's the all the stuff we already said about basic comprehension. He goes through that. He says, but like, he also like stops in his day and is like, let me take you on a tour. Yes. Show you where everything is, where you're going to be staying, let you know everything that you have to do. I'm like, damn, Remar. Well, because Im- when we first see him, he is swamped and he lets you know, he's like, look, they shut down like four different uh, like training facilities and they are sending busloads of new people here we are over capacity and also a lot of people are at their wits end we recently lost an apc how do you lose that it's a tank yeah so uh so that's a problem for him uh but he's like he honestly in my experience he lines up most directly with any military administrator i've ever met where they're actually like bending over backwards to be friendly uh, same thing with drill sergeants, provided you are they are not currently drill sergeanting. <laughs> yeah, a drill sergeant that is not in charge of you personally. <laughs> yeah, they're the nicest people in the world. So it does make sense. But yeah, he comes out of his schedule. He's like, look, I'm more than anybody else around here. I am worried about these eight. I want them to make it because this is this was kind of the last stop for all eight of them. Yeah, they're not good. They were not in good life circumstances The the military can give them a better place. But if they don't make it through this, they won't. This is the last chance they have. If, yeah. If they fuck up here, they're gone. Yeah. And at this point in the, in the movie, you still have DeVito like rolling his eyes at that. Like, ah, the military is the worst option for everybody. Hey, um, but- why don't they just go get an education at Harvard like I did? You know what they should do? <laughs> See, my dad put me on an education train through Harvard. You know, if they literally bought them a train, if they just walked into a place and asked to see the manager and gave him a firm handshake. Yeah. Fuck Uh, you, boomers. (laughs) But then he gets to his he he gets shown his little room and then gets taken to his classroom because his class starts in like 40 minutes. And he's sitting around in there writing Bill Rago on the on the classroom board. And the most important characters in the movie all come trooping in are eight students. Yes. And I'm not going to be able to tell you all eight of them. Uh, other than to point out that one of them is Mark Wahlberg, one of them is Stacy Dash. Oh yeah, so we've got a group of people, and all of them have something. They got a shtick. Each yeah. one's got a bit. So you've got uh, Benitez is the New Yorker, and he only knows how to do two <laughs> impressions. Mm-hmm. Uh, he knows how to do uh, De Niro and Pacino. De Niro and Pacino. Yeah, because he can do Raging Bull and he can do uh, Scarface. Scarface, and that's yeah. the, and he does both of them. Ad nauseum. Yes. And technically, he could do a third impression because he is the guy who does the dramatic Henry V monologue towards the end of the film in a very clearly Robert De Niro voice. <laughs> but you have Stacey Dash, whose whole thing is that she is a lady. Yep, that's literally <laughs> it. Um, as such, she's more interested in Ophelia than the rest of the people when it comes to the Hamlet storyline. Yeah. Uh, you have Jamal, who is uh, the, like motor mouth makes fun of everyone and he's like ah this guy yeah fuck you buddy yeah he's the one he he's the one who can dish it out but can't take it yeah because the moment that someone calls him an asshole he's like whoa whoa why object i object you're not allowed you can't pick me for this on us that's against the regulations um you have uh jackson who is the ex-jock yes and sort of the de facto leader of them he's the oldest he's got a kid on the way already 
He's the one who most out of all of them feels the most pressure to get to take responsibility for his life. Yeah. As such, he's the boring one. He's kind of like the Denzel of the group. He's just Yeah, you'd yeah. think he would have more going on, but man, he gets sidelined hard. Yeah, he does. There's he gets like one or two lines where they ask him about what happened with sports, and he's like, I threw my knee out. Sports is an idiot game. i my kid is never gonna play a sport. Yeah. Look. <laughs> I grew up where the only thing that mattered was whether or not I could catch a ball, and I don't want my kid to have that. Yeah, because the first thing that, that DeVito says is, oh, you got a kid on the way? I bet he's going to be real good at football. He's going to come out wearing a helmet. Yeah, and, and uh, what's his name? Jackson? Jackson. Jackson's like, I fucking hope not. <laughs> uh, Roosevelt, who is the actually smart one, but oh no, dark secret. Yeah, he's uh, he's the one who's the he's the smart one because at one point, mostly you can't tell anything about him at all. He doesn't do anything smart until one point in the movie where he goes, Hamlet's laying low. He isn't telling anybody that he suspects anything because he's playing the fool. You see, he's acting crazy because everyone's looking at him and he wants to be looking at them. Yeah. yeah. You're like, okay, great. And that's the point that sends off our, our, our hero and like, this guy's smart. <laughs> this guy gets it. Yeah. Uh, we got Brian Davis Jr., whose dad was a real hero, and Probably. he won't stop talking about his dad. Yeah, his dad disappeared in Vietnam, and he's never been able to come up with any records of what happened to him, and that's that's going to become the big tear-jerking moment at the end. Uh, we got Melvin, the guy who has probably traumatic-induced narcolepsy. Yeah, but they play it for jokes. He just falls asleep all the time and is otherwise the dumbest and looks like the kind of guy who plays villains and things. And then Mark Wahlberg as Tommy Lee Haywood, the dude from Georgia in a uh, I'm just the hick backwoods guy. He's angry uh, uh, of the group. He's the one with the biggest chip on his shoulder. Yeah. Where like Brian Davis, you'd think he would be because he's like, my dad was a hero, but he instead is always like, my dad was oh, a my hero. Daddy. I'm going to cry again. That's Oh, my daddy was so important. Yeah, and everyone me. makes fun of him for that. Whereas Tommy Lee is just like, yeah, I grew up in Georgia in a trailer park and it sucked and that's why I'm here. Yeah, there's a the first thing he has them do is write reports on why they're there, and uh, obviously this is this is important because it it lands our our uh, our hero Rago. It's it, it shifts his perspective from these kids are dumb and didn't deserve don't deserve this to oh my god these kids all came from broken families. Oh yeah, as soon as it's like uh, I'm here because. Uh, I kept living a bunch of different places, and my mom was sleeping around, and then at one point she just left, and yeah, I didn't know what to do. She, her line is literally, I'm in the army because I, I might be the only person who's ever in the army because I wanted someplace I could call home. Yeah, like, we have fucking uh, Jamal, the smart mouth, who's like, I had a, such a crowded uh, house that I was in. I never knew what was going on. People were running around. I joined the army literally so I could know when lunch was. Yeah, he was like, uh, half the time I didn't know who was in my house or why. And you have um, you, you have Ty Haywood, the, the war, Walbur Bindley, like, yeah, I grew up in a trailer with seven kids. I couldn't even piss by myself. I, I, I literally joined the army to get away from crowds. I wanted to see the world. Yeah. Because there was a, a guy everyone thought was crazy that lived in the woods near me, but it turned out he was just in the army. He saw the world and he's like, that's all I needed. Yeah, so every one of them's got a really good sob story for why they're here, except for Melvin, who is just asleep. Yeah, he doesn't. He doesn't we don't find. I don't get his backstory. He we get a his cipher. backstory late, late in the film. Oh, and that's right. Yeah, and the letter. Uh, oh yeah, I get a letter from my dad or from my my brother, brother in law, stepbrother. Yeah, stepbrother. There you go. Who is like, hey, uh, we fixed up this Camaro and it's running real nice. Anyway, dad's beaten me now that you're gone, and it looks like he's moved on to his real kids instead of you. And I was like, what the fuck? And 
as soon as he reads the letter and gets all fucked up about it, Wahlberg does not give a shit. Yeah, he reads it out loud. He's like, re- he's like, oh jeez, he's beating my brother, my my brothers now, my and the, the fucking drunk ass dad. Haywood's reaction to that is, ooh, Camaro, huh? What kind of Camaro is that? A Z twenty eight? And Melvin just like lies down on his bed, and he goes, "Hey man, don't fall asleep again." And that's when I was like, "Oh, you have." trauma-induced narcolepsy. Yeah, he's You're sleeping. falling asleep because that's how you deal with trauma. Yes, it's how, he, it's how he gets out of problems is to be asleep through them. And it, it's funny because, you know, you have Wahlberg being like, hey, man, don't fall asleep. It won't cure your problems. Which is like, bitch, if you know he has problems, why are you asking about the car? Yeah. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> and so, of course, out of everyone here, like, I would say one, the only person who gets an actual like resolution to the I'm going to make a difference in this dude's life really is Brian Davis Jr. Cause he's like, I found out your dad was a hero. And I'm like, dude, he's already like a fairly well off white guy and all the rest of them. You're like, I accidentally got one of you thrown in jail. He definitely has a problem. The, the Davis Jr. Definitely has problems. He, he literally can only talk about and idolize his father. He has no other internal life whatsoever. Yeah, but this isn't helping. And he's like, you were right to do so. <laughs> <laughs> he needs closure. And this is closure that he gets. Um, I mean, I'm not saying it's the best solution. Obviously, accidentally sending Hobbs to jail was probably the worst solution. Probably. Uh, and We'll get into that again when, when we come to it. But but everyone in the thing has a sob story. And this, ch- this convinces him that I need to turn this around. I, I'm not just going to sit in a room and ignore these these eight assholes until they, until uh, this my six week time is up. I will actually try. Oh yeah, the fact that he's even got like, <laughs> I feel like the ones with the biggest sob stories get the least to do. Well, I mean, most of the ones with the biggest sob stories get what they needed, which is to, to be stay in the, in the military. Yeah. <laughs> everyone, everyone but Hobbs gets to stay in the army. Oh yeah. So <laughs> Benitez is like, yeah, my sister got shot coming out of a convenience store. You know, it wasn't meant for her, but she got shot anyway. And I decided, you know, if I'm going to join a gang, it might as well be the military. Yeah, that's not a great reason to join, but it's better than joining a gang. Yeah. And the fact that he doesn't get washed out means that he doesn't go back to New York and join a fucking gang. So I feel like most of them get the resolution they need. I guess. But I mean, the thing is, a lot of them just had fairly simple resolution needs. Like, like, uh, or Jackson already had his wife working on the base baby on the way he needed stability and being allowed to stay in the military gave it to him although frankly jackson's got the least like what the fuck's he doing here he clearly does not have comprehension issues honestly none of them have comprehension issues i'd say the ones that actually should be there are probably jamal because he's an asshole Mm -hmm. uh melvin because he keeps falling asleep yes like you have a couple people in there that are like it's not so much that you have comprehension problems, you have behavioral problems. Yes, yeah. And, and honestly, the, the saddest thing about the Melvin storyline, beyond the fact that his brothers are getting beaten by his drunk dad, is that we only find out about that in the barracks away from Rago. Yeah. Which means that it's not going to get a resolution. No, there's no resolution. He never knows about that. We, As far as we know, he will continue to, I don't know, fall asleep. Yeah. Because if he had found, if he had said in front of Rago, Rago could have been like, "Oh, that's why you keep falling asleep. I'm going to go talk to the base commander. You need to be put on medical tra- uh, stuff. You don't need to. You don't need to learn fucking Shakespeare. You need medical help. Yeah, you need some, you know, possibly psychiatric help. And 
maybe for someone to go over and take those kids away from your abusive dad. Yeah, but instead what will happen there is nothing, which is legitimately a disappointment. Yes. But most of them are just like, I want to be in the military. And, my, and he, my life before sucked. I need something else. Yeah, and the military is an option that I can I can use for and and they get that. So there's something they get something. Yeah, they get to die for an oil company, bro. I hate <laughs> finally. To, I hate to break it to you. <laughs> Good for them. <laughs> but uh, anyway, um, so the next the next day, Rago shows up in class. He's still all off putting and not really doesn't want to talk to the kids. But sitting there on his desk and him reading it. A copy of Hamlet. Oh, yeah, because he's like, I have no idea how to be a teacher or what I'm supposed to be teaching. So today's assignment is read something. Oh, that's right. And he then tell all, like, me what you read. He gave them all like random reading material. Or, he no. just told them to come in with it. He was like, so, just come in, read something, and tell me what you read. That's right, because we get that shtick where I think it's Benitez. Is yeah, reading Benitez is reaching Archie, reading Archie comics. And he's got all these like very surface level thoughts that feel like more like someone who's read a lot of Archie than someone who's reading one for the first time. <laughs> What's with this Jughead guy? You know, we got Betty is over with Archie and Veronica. She's got Reggie, but Jughead don't got anybody. In my neighborhood, even the, the ugliest bagool had a girlfriend. You gotta like, have a girl. Really? That's weird because there were a lot of dudes that didn't have girls where I was. Also, if this is your first Archie comic, how come you're not assuming that Jughead's girlfriend, I don't know, Head Jugs, just... Oh, just, head jug. just isn't just big titties on her head. Just big titties. On her head. How come? You know, it's just like uh, just like in Little Nicky. How 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 come he isn't just assuming that his girlfriend just isn't in this ep issue? Yeah, well, it's weird. Instead, it, it, like I said, he, he seems to have a savvy. They always say they're going to the multi shoppy. Why are they going to the malt shoppy? What's, what's a malt shoppy? Someone tell me what a shoppy is. <laughs> that kind of thing. And I'm like, I'm like, your you've, your complaints feel like they're rooted in someone who's got a surface level understanding of Archie as a gestalt, rather than someone who was reading one of them for the first time. <laughs> you, you're you're kind of talking like someone that knows Archie comics exist and has written a movie where someone will talk about them. <laughs> knows they exist, but hasn't really read them. Has just heard the generic complaints that people routinely have about them. Ah, this Archie guy, he just has to choose between a blonde and a brunette. Some problems, huh? Yeah, this guy. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, we thankfully we don't get that much of anyone else with that. Like, one of them's got, like, the Sports Illustrated. Yeah. Uh, but it's not important. They're no, finally like, what are you reading, Mr. Rago? Yeah, I mean, if you if uh, you think that Archie comics are so terrible, what is it you're reading? He's like, ah, you wouldn't like it. It's Hamlet. <laughs> ah, you wouldn't like this part. This mushy stuff. <laughs> Girls kissing. Is this a kissing book, Rago? <laughs> Huh, Bill? I mean, technically, no. No, not a, not even a little. <laughs> I think maybe the queen kisses her her brother-in-law once. Eh. I don't know. It's not important. <laughs> uh, no one else is getting kisses in Hamlet. But yeah, then we have to, of course, have the point where, ooh, why, this Hamlet thing, that sounds pretty cool, Mr. Rago. You say there's murder, incest, yeah. sword fights, why, this sounds like a cool book for rad kids. Why don't you read us some of it? And so he reads a portion of Hamlet. Yeah. And and, uh, and they're all like, wow. That what was the really, fuck was that? Well, that was really interesting, but how come it wasn't in English? And he's like, that was in English, you fucking ingrates. Now let me break it down for you. <laughs> you see, this guy, his he does the, the basic breakdown, like trying to sell it as like a soap opera. Like, you know, this guy... Comes home from the war and his he go, dad's He's dead. at college and, yeah. he, and his dad dies and he comes home from college and wouldn't you know it, not even two weeks gone, his mom's marrying his uncle. 
And everyone's like, oh, shit, they done him dirty, Mr. Rago. Yeah. I'm like, oh, with, fuck with this. Fucking Stacey Dash. Oh, my God. You saying she You saying she gave up the Punani that... that to, Not even two weeks in the ground and she giving up the Punani? And everyone in the class is like, oh, Punani. What's, with, the, with the rednecky ones being like, what is Punani? <laughs> I, I'm sorry. I'm Mark, Mark Wahlberg here. Uh, what's a Punani? Can you please explain that to me? What's a Nubian? <laughs> Bitch. You almost made me laugh. <laughs> yeah, but... <laughs> but poor Stacy Dash having to do that line that that was rough. God. That part where she was like, "Not even two weeks, she's already given up the punani." I'm like, come on, don't don't, don't do don't, this. That's not don't don't do this. <laughs> <laughs> Would you say that's more embarrassing? Let me. I'm gonna break it down and just skip ahead. In Hold the on, sequence. let me break it down. I'm just gonna break it down and skip ahead a little bit in the sequence. Would you say that her line about about um, the queen giving up the punani? Uh, too early w- w- without respecting the value of the punani is more or less embarrassing than the ob- obligatory part where the classroom decides to turn uh, Hamlet into a cool rap to to uh, present to the teacher like a little prize. Yeah. Hey, you you taught us some Hamlet, and now we will rap it at you. Yeah. Which one is more embarrassing? <laughs> I mean, obviously the rap, the because rap. it involves everyone. It's every single person in the room having to be part of this rap. I mean, one of the things that I was going to say about this up until that point was at least they, they were like, we got Stacey Dash, but we're not making her, like, try to be sexy in any way. She's wearing loose-fitting fucking basic training clothing the whole time. Mm-hmm. She just looks like she's in the army. Yep, and there's a whole... The the the, uh, the base ha- does all the the female am- uh, or uh, boot camp people as well. So there's whole marching lines of women in, in just fatigues in this movie. Oh, yeah. But it's during the rap where she has to, like, roll her shirt up and tie it so that it's all, like... She's wearing a brown tank top, yeah. A she's, br- brown, she's wearing a brown... It's the shirt, but the she shirt, had to yeah. tie it, yeah. like, where you take the bottom and loop it around the top so also you can she, do a little tie. She went and found her, her military-approved push-up bra for that episode as well. Yeah, and I'm like, ah, oh, good. During the rap scene, you get to do a sexy dance to it. Yeah. Thanks. Which, thankfully, thankfully... Every because it's it's seven dudes and Stacy Dash in this class. No one is like ow or whatever during that sequence. They're just like, yeah, that's one of our fellow soldiers. Yes, the that's one, one of the double D's. The one time anyone actually hits on her, he is immediately sent to jail. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we are teased a possible relationship between Private Nathaniel Hobbs and uh, Stacy Dash's Miranda. Mm-hmm. But as soon as, like we said, Hobbs ends up being like. Hey, I comprehend like way more than a surface level understanding of Hamlet, and I've been thinking about it, and I have actual cognition. And then when we leave the class, and you know, Bill's like, "Hey, man, what's going on with you? Why, 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 why are you in this class? You seem like you know you should have been at like a officer better school, train. or you should have gone through something. officer training. What are you doing in grunt in, in grunt school?" And he's like, "Ah, uh, he who increases uh, knowledge increases sorrow." And he's like, yeah, that's from the Bible. Even Shakespeare has his betters. Anyway, <laughs> I'm out of here. I don't know. If you tried reading that fucking thing, it drags. And then, and then because he insulted Shakespeare, he goes to jail. Yeah. <laughs> the Bible is superior to Shakespeare. I don't know. Have you ever actually gone to a play where someone is just like, and then Hezekiah begat Abdul, and Abdul begat Le- Le- Leptosiah? Like, this is boring. Can we skip Kings? 
Can we numbers? skip most of the early, like, I want to say first 10 books? I want to re- I want to hear the same story four times in a row. Can we just do the gospel? <laughs> Can I just do the gospel and then the gospel again with slight changes and then the gospel again with more slight changes and then the gospel again, but now it's more narrative? <laughs> yeah, but but yeah, uh, DeVito's like, this kid's too smart to not only be in this classroom, he's too smart to be in boot camp. So he goes to see Remar, and he's like, one of these kids is a genius, I tells you. His name's Nathaniel Hobbs. You really need to look into it. Look into him. I definitely think he should be in officer training. And, of course, Remar's like, I can't just take a dude and put him in West Point. Like, that's not a thing I can do. That's not how it's done. West Point is a college. Yeah. Like, uh, that's not – I don't care if he's smart. He's in fucking basic training. Yeah. But DeVito Maybe won't let it go. He'll make it to CPO someday. It'll be great for him. Yeah. To, no one tell me if that's just Navy. I don't know. <laughs> But yeah, DeVito won't let it go, and he's like, let me write it down, put it here, Nathaniel Hobbs, look into it, he should be getting something better. And they do! And it turns out that his name isn't Nathaniel Hobbs, and he was a crack dealer who is evading justice by uh, forging a driver's license and uh, enlisting in the military. Yes. So, (laughs) Bill manages to fuck up and get one of his best students in jail. Yeah, even though the kid warned him with a little cryptic warning that was like, anybody who increases knowledge increases danger. Please do not look into me. Please I'm, leave me alone. I am trying. The reason I'm not in any of these is I am trying to lay low, my dude. Yeah. If you think I'm stupid, or you think I'm smart, why do you think I'm in this class? Do the numbers. Yeah. Run the numbers, buddy. I'm here for a reason. Just pass me and be quiet. Nope. <laughs> nope. Goes to jail. But... Uh, although the rest of the class gets briefly mad at Rago about this, uh, when we finally hear from Hobbs again, it's a letter where he's like, Dear Mr. Rago, I really want to thank you for turning my life around and sending me to prison for many years. You, I don't know what you and Remar, and Remar said, but the warden says, I'm going to get out of here real soon. And you know what? I've been reading Othello. Who would have thunk it, huh? Shakespeare writing about a black guy all that time ago and a soldier, too. Hey, look at that, buddy. Makes you think. The librarian at the prison tells me I'm the first person in the prison to check out Shakespeare in 16 years, which tells me that no inspirational white teachers have been through here. Weird, right? Why don't you come do some service work over at the prison and teach people to, I don't know, appreciate Shakespeare here? Maybe you got, like, Edward James Olmos or Annie Potts' phone numbers, huh? Huh? Send someone over here. Maybe they could be a priest and get someone real interested in Jesus. I don't know. I'm spitballing here. Anyway, I gotta go. (laughs) Uh, That's his resolution. Obviously, he can't be in the army anymore. Um, So... We get a, a lot of basically what you would expect for a long time. He assigns everyone in the class reading assignments, and they circle up the chairs so they can read through the play. Uh, because both the Queen and Ophelia are characters in the play, the Queen needs to be assigned to someone. It ends up being assigned to Wahlberg, who is no, Brian Davis. Sorry, Brian Davis, who is mad as hell about that. Like, don't give me a woman's role. And uh, that- yeah, and Wahlberg, who is the uh, the king, is like, I don't want him as my wife. That's bullshit. Yeah. And uh, this leads to one of my favorite little weird moments in the beginning of the thing when he's like, "This is I'm reading a book called Hamlet. Has anyone heard of Shakespeare? Raise your hand if you heard of Shakespeare. And no one raises a hand. And then in this scene when he's like, like, uh, oh, well, in, you know, in Shakespeare's day, all of the roles, including all of the women roles, were played by girls. And, men. Uh, sorry, played by men. Excuse me. And uh, that causes Stacey Dash to pipe up and go, you mean Romeo and Juliet was both dudes? And you're like, 
hey, you didn't raise your hand. God damn it, you assholes. That's why you're in this class. Here's the thing. I found that in the goofs. I noticed it myself, but it made sense to me. I found it in the goofs, and I was like, fuck you, goof reporter. You don't know. People don't raise their hand on the first day of class. Oh, yeah. Everyone's still feeling out the teacher. Oh, for sure. I was like, no, I definitely get it, because he's like, who's heard of Shakespeare? And literally, you have to assume everyone is like, looking around going, do I want to be the one dude who's going to get made fun of for having heard of Shakespeare? Yeah. You don't want that. Everyone in the fucking room's heard of Shakespeare. Yeah. They may or maybe they aren't especially familiar with it because it wasn't relevant to their interests. Why would it, why would it be? Yeah. But, uh, but everyone fucking knows who wrote Romeo and Juliet. So when she pipes up and goes, Romeo and Juliet, you don't have to report it as a goof that she said she hadn't heard of Shakespeare. Bro, she was lying. <laughs> bro, she's just not into you. She's lying by omission, bro. Bro, 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 (laughs) dude, don't make this weird (laughs) because this is the same sequence here when he he starts telling them what a simile and a metaphor is because he's like, oh, this is a simile when something is like something that's a simile. So like, uh, I forget his specific metaphor. You see a hot girl and she winks at you and you run over there like, oh, that's right. And it's a chicken with an itch. Yeah. Chicken with an itch. Chicken with an itch. That's a simile. And everyone in the room is like, what the fuck is that? And then, uh, we'll do metaphor. Men are... And she just goes, dogs. There we go. Men are dogs. Simile, we're like dogs. Metaphor, now we just are dogs. And then he's like, let's do another one. Oxymorons. <laughs> this is when two words cancel. don't cancel. They're the opposite of each other, but they're used as a regular phrase. You know, like military intelligence. <laughs> uh, or uh, my favorite one that he says, dark victory? Yeah. What? That's not enough. There's, it's really hard to read that as an oxymoron. <laughs> I, if you said losing victory, then sure, I guess that would kind of like even Pyrrhic victory could potentially be seen that yeah. way. Although it means, it, you know, it's not an oxymoron, but it, dark victory is nothing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, I had the same reaction. I was like, hey, give me an actual one, though. Can you do one? Can I get an actual one? I'll just point. How about pointing out the people with the last name Noyes are actually an oxymoron name because it's no yes. Just say that. I mean, that's it's not right because it's two, not two words, but at least it conveys the concept. No. Yes. <laughs> no. We're gonna go with dark victory. Uh. But yeah, of course, this means you get those moments where now, in their regular boot camp lives, someone will say something and they'll be like, "Hey, wait a minute." That's an oxymoron. Uh, I'm learning stuff over here. Yeah, that's we really do need to connect how this all interacts with the fact that DeVito now lives on on base, which I'm still I guess because he has to drive all the way. He doesn't want to commute hours out there every day for his job. Well, I mean, they told him you'll be staying here. Yeah, but he could be like, no, I'll stay in my apartment. I mean, nah. I don't want to live on the base. Nah, who knows how far away this is? From that's him. true. We don't know. We have no idea. Uh, I think he's from Detroit, not New York. No, he's I Chicago. Think, he's Chicago. Yeah, he's Chicago. Yeah, but he's he makes a point of having been through Detroit. He knows Detroit very well because there's a point where he asks one of the one of the guys in the class, like, "Where are you from?" And he's like, "I'm from Detroit." Oh, I've been to Detroit. What part? The part you drive through at 85 miles an hour. Oh, you're you're on the freeway. You, you lived on a freeway. That's weird. I, I was halfway expecting for him to go. You lived on a freeway, and the guy to go. Yes. Uh, yes. Sob stories. I I don't think you understand. There's a reason that we're here. <laughs> But at this point, uh, we get a scene where Brian Davis loses his father or sends off his clothes for laundry with his father's bracelet in him. And that's the only piece of his father he owns. And it's very important to him. So he convinces uh, Benitez, the New York one, to stick around and, and help him look through laundry. And that makes them late to drill. Yes. They're supposed to be there at six. They show up 10 minutes late. Mm-hmm. 
This causes Gregory Hines to do what drill sergeants are supposed to do in those situations and, you know, over the top dress you down. Yeah, berate them and be like, all right, you need to drop, give me 20. I need you to know that, like, you took nine minutes from me. I'm going to start taking nine minutes from you here and there. You're going to be nine minutes early every day the rest of this week. Yeah, and that is when Bill walks by and he's like, hey, cut the kids some slack. Uh, why you got to be such an asshole about it? Don't you be big. They, they didn't mean nothing by it. He's and- just nine minutes late. I tell you what, you can be nine minutes late to my class. And he's like, what the fuck yeah, are Heinz you doing? Up- Bill, follow me. For a second, he's just confused. He turns around. He's like, what is happening right now? Who is this tiny troll who's undermining my authority? Who? <laughs> Who let this gnome in here, and why does he hate me so much? Why does he have a death wish? <laughs> why am I about to murder this motherfucker? <laughs> so, he, yeah, you know, he does what an actual drill sergeant does, which is like, oh, you're a civilian. I can't yell at you. Come with me, please. And he walks over. He's like, he's like, you cannot do what you're doing. Yeah. Listen to me and look at my eyes. You cannot do what you're doing. You cannot undermine my authority while I am sergeanting. Yeah. <laughs> you are fucking up everything you need to stop and he's like eh well you know maybe you need to chill out huh uh you piece of shit yeah and and uh heinz is like no i don't if these guys don't follow all these it's not me who does the test at the end of the week it's other military guys and if they fail they wash out of the military and they have nothing yeah you are trying to get me to fail these kids and i will not i give a shit about these kids i have passion you're just here because you're collecting a paycheck because you have to i'm here because i care so i want you to shut the fuck up and stop fucking up my job never approach my class again what the fuck is wrong with you and instead of being ashamed he's just like ah well maybe you should pull that stick out of your ass uh i bet you were real good at killing babies in vietnam and gregory hines is like well it's time for me to murder you yeah (laughs) comes marching after him and gets held back by other people this leads to the the uh, Uncle Ben scene we talked about earlier. He finally gets hauled in front of military brass and has to yeah, sit Yeah, the colonel's the just like, the my dude. <laughs> my dude, what were you doing? That guy was about to beat you to death. You undermined his authority in front of 50 of our, our, our students. You cannot undermine their authority. That is their literal job. <laughs> yeah, you are being a huge asshole. And he tried, like we said earlier, he tries to pomp his way out of it where he's like, hey, I, I protested the military. And he's like, yeah, your protest was bullshit. You know it. Look, why don't you take this seriously at least a little bit, please? Yeah, look, <laughs> these kids don't have shit. They need this. And they also need you. Yeah. So don't be a piece of shit It's kind of killing me here that these kids want to stay in the military. Their drill sergeant wants them to stay in the military. I want them to stay in the military. And you don't fucking care. So how come you're my problem? Yeah. You could just teach them and shut up and we wouldn't be having this. Uh, and that, you know, that pisses off Rago enough to be like, now I'm going to fucking teach him right. Well, no, it, it pisses him off enough that he's like, I'm going to try and get an advertising job. That's true. He starts, he starts working. Here's the thing. This, this pissed me off to no end. Maybe it did you as well. Uh, there's, he starts working at night when he's not teaching and let's face it, this guy works like 40 fucking minutes a day. Oh yeah. He goes in, he teaches one 45 minute hour long class. Uh huh. And then he's like. And that's it. Now I've got the other 23 hours of the day to me. He doesn't teach anything else. You'd think they would have put him on some other classes or something. He teaches eight kids one hour, five days a week. And he acts like he has a full-time fucking job. So in the middle of the night, he starts doing advertising practice shit again because uh, he's trying to get another advertising job. And then there's a point where uh, he's late to class one day because he had a job interview. And they're like, 
man, you were like 20 minutes late. How come you were late? What's going on? How, how don't you love us? Huh? <laughs> and he's, and he's like, there's a little thing called respect. <laughs> and he's like, I'm sorry. I had a job interview, a job interview. I guess you hate us now. I thought you were our friend. We're leaving. And they all get up and leave. And it's like, okay, number one, you can't, this class is not optional. This <laughs> is an assignment. Yeah. And number two, it's a six week job. Yeah. He needs to line up the next thing. What do you think he thing. was doing? I thought you were just going to stay here, and after we left, you just keep coming back to this empty classroom, waiting for us. There's always eight stupid kids. That's the way base camp works. God. It's, it's, and they're, they literally walk out on their own dreams, because if they're not in this class, they will get washed out of the military, because a guy who had a, a job for three weeks left had a job interview. Yeah. And they're like, how dare you? And it's not like, yo, man, you've been, you know, a half hour late every day this week. This is the first time it has ever happened. And it's almost over. I'm pretty sure there's only about a week or two left of class. Because when he goes out to constru- to uh, confront them about it, uh, they're, they're doing the victory tower, which is like a final class thing. Oh, yeah. Well, this is, we've already seen that, of course, his teaching of Shakespeare has also improved them. Uh, in their basic training, because anytime we go to their basic training, when we saw them early in the movie, they were like, oh, I'm falling off of logs and shit like that. And now they're all like, crack shots and everything. Yeah. Now it's like, oh, I can, you know, swing from a rope and land on a log and jump off too easy dr- drill sergeant. You know, they're all good at what they're doing. Yes. So, so it's been paying off. It's it's working. Uh, we also uh, and and I, I mean the big climactic scene is he goes and confronts him with the victory tower. But before that, can we talk about the scene where the civilian teacher takes seven of his uh, 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 military students out of boot camp and drives them to Canada? I mean that's after the victory tower thing, but and sure. It, okay, either way, you can't take fucking soldiers out of boot camp and take them on a road trip somewhere. It's not summer camp. It's even in summer camp you can't do that. It's fucking boot camp. That would be so illegal. Oh yeah, it would get all seven of them court-martialed and him fired immediately. Yep. Thankfully, I guess no one knew. Or just the military doesn't work the way the military works. Yeah. <laughs> it's one of those. The military works like summer camp. Uh, if summer camp worked like someone's imaginary summer camp. Yeah, and they also wouldn't wash kids out for being too stupid. They'd be like, congratulations, you're in the army, you're a broom guy. Yeah, great. You're, you know, we'll give you the least intensive job we can. Yeah, but we need bodies. <laughs> so he takes them to Canada to see Henry V. Uh-huh. Um, And this leads to, we get two of the Henry V's uh, big monologues in this. Uh, the first one is the, you know, they'll remember us this day. And the second one is the St. Crispian monologue. Yeah. Um, and, and it works. It really intensely works on these kids who, while driving up there, have to listen to uh, R.O.C.K. in the USA. R.O.C.K. in the USA, which all the white kids love and all the black kids hate. <laughs> Until somehow, even though they're sitting across like fucking kids, at a, like boys and girls at a middle school dance, they're sitting on opposite sides of the van to avoid each other, where all the white kids are going all nuts on R.O.C.K. in the USA and all the black kids are like, or I should be saying adults. These are all adults. Please, please turn this the fuck off. Please. Look, we get it. The joke has gone on long enough. Yeah. And for some reason, Danito, or, or, uh, DeVito turns around and goes like, hey, come on, James Brown. And they're like, oh, yeah, James Brown. We'll shout James Brown in counterpoint to the song. That works. Yeah. So they're like, R-O-C-K in the USA. James, James Brown. Brown. <laughs> like, what? What? What did you do? What the fuck is happening right now? <laughs> Oh, 
I guess the name James Brown is supposed to just pacify soldiers or something. I guess. Yeah. That's the that's the magic word. If you say it to black people, they're like, yeah, yeah, James Brown. James Brown, motherfucker. James Brown. You are right. James Brown. <laughs> I can endure anything as long as I'm saying James Brown. <laughs> uh, but I love that also at this point. DeVito is trying to get the uh, records for Brian Davis, uh, his dad. Oh, there's like 12 minutes left in the movie. And, he, could... <laughs> and he's like, all right, I've decided I'm going to go try and do a nice thing for this kid and actually get the records to see, you know, what happened to this kid's dad because he doesn't know. Clearly, he didn't learn his lesson from Hobbes. Yeah, he's, he's like, well, I stuck my nose in where I wasn't asked before and it got someone in jail. I should do it for Davis. And I was 100%. No, percent he, expecting he him to come back. He was shot by another soldier. He's like, ah, he joined the Viet Cong. <laughs> <laughs> he lives there to this day. He got caught in a BOW camp. He gave up a ton of information and was fed to scorpions. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's one of those things where I was like, please don't. Don't do this. But he goes into the records office, and in the last, like, 15 minutes of this movie begins a relationship. Yeah, there's a fucking love interest for him in the last eighth of the film. It's amazing to me <laughs> that in a two-hour film, they're like, you couldn't even introduce this character before now? No. It's just... He couldn't see her on campus? Nothing? Nothing. It's just, oh, uh, there's a lady here. She says I can't have the records because obviously this civilian cannot have access to these military records. And then he's like, well, what if I took you out to dinner? What if I gave you the good Danny DeVito Dickin, huh? The triple D. <laughs> hey, listen, you, me, a stepladder, a soapbox to put on top of the stepladder. Then I can reach your privates and we can make this work. <laughs> hey, how about I take you out on a real nice dinner to Burger King? <laughs> huh? How about some nice, good old-fashioned product placement here at Burger King, home of the Whopper? I got say i knew it was just product placement and kind of dumb i did appreciate his burger king smoothings because because he was like she was like this is a real romantic date and he was like yeah you know these are collector's cups i got 18 more of these at home and i was like oh that's, i like that <laughs> i like that bit that's fine you won me over devito i would let you stand on a stepladder <laughs> <laughs> but not a box on that stepladder <laughs> you get the one <laughs> but yeah on there so the date is a disguise. I mean, he's really out on a date with this lady, but um, then Jackson's or no, yeah, it's Jackson. Yeah, Jackson. Ja Jackson's wife comes in because she is like we mentioned very early in the movie. She works in the records office on the military base, and she is super, she's like eight months pregnant. And uh, she comes in and she's like, "I have the records. The two of us agree that you should get to have the records for Brian Davis. Here they are." And then Devito just thanks them, gives his date a kiss, and leaves. Just fucks off. Just walks out. He's like, he just hits oh, the bricks. Thanks. You know, here you go. I love you. Give you a kiss. I'm going to give a little pat to the, your stomach there, uh, you know, without your consent, because every pregnant lady loves that. Uh -huh. And uh, you say <laughs> hi to your husband for me. Goodbye. I'm out. He should have leaned into it. He should have been like, I'm just going to go ahead and rub your stomach a little. Hey, can I touch your hair while I'm at it? <laughs> Hey, where are you from? <laughs> like, from, from. From, you know what I mean, from, from. Where are you, what's your parents' food like? <laughs> I want to do all the wrong things. I want to be as racist as possible. <laughs> uh, and he runs off to go tell Brian, or the drill sergeant. He's like, hey, I got these records. I need to give them to you to do what you got to do. But that's when we get the whole St. Crispin's Day uh, speech. Because the drill sergeant is trying to essentially make fun of 
uh, Bill and what he's doing mm-hmm. for being useless. So he calls one of them up and he's like, hey, you learning Shakespeare? Yes, drill sergeant. Recite some. It's Melvin. And Melvin can't recite Shakespeare because, honestly, I feel like he should have failed the comprehension class. Yeah. Of all, everyone manages to pass at the end, and I'm just like, yeah, maybe not Melvin. Maybe not. He definitely doesn't know a thing. He has learned nothing. Uh, he He's supposed to have an insightful moment during the test at the end of this, but it's not that. But yeah, I, I want to finish up with the date thing. He runs away from the date, and you think, okay, maybe that was a predetermined thing. Maybe the date was supposed to be over when the notes showed up. But then the woman, his love interest, sits back down with Jackson's wife. And Jackson's wife, like, was that a nice kiss? Yes, it was a nice kiss. Let's keep eating. I guess you're going to eat his dinner now. Because you're sitting where I was, so I guess now I've got his food. I'll eat his food. Like, finish the date, DeVito. What are you... But granted, it's because he needs to rush that information over to that drill sergeant right the fuck now. And they're doing uh, bivouac tonight, which means they're out doing exercises in the rain. Yep. And Heinz sees... DeVito coming uh, uh, through the rain with something over his head to block the rain and turns and walks away because he doesn't want to fucking deal with his shit oh, again. Oh, yeah. Because DeVito's like, I got something important for you. And he's like, I'm leaving. I'm leaving. I- and, and if you come over the hill to where I am, I will be belittling you in front of 50, 50 people. Yes. Because he's like, you, report, uh, recite Shakespeare. And Melvin just can't. He's just like, he's like uh. uh And he's like, great, back in line. Benitez, get over here. You learned Shakespeare? Yes, Sergeant. All right. Recite some. And he does. He does the Band of Brothers speech. Yeah, he gives him the first line. He's like, I didn't say you should stop. Yeah. And then he does the whole fucking thing. Yes, because he made a point of having purchased the the, uh, the play at the gift shop at the Canadian theater they went to see it at. Yes. And he's very defensive about it. He's like, I, I fucking bought it with my own army money. I didn't steal it, if that's what you're implying. I wasn't. I was implying... The, you you know, bought a play. You bought a play is what I am pl- implying, and I am correct. <laughs> I feel like that's it. It was Stacey Dash asking, and he's yeah. just, he's all defensive about it. He doesn't need to be. She's just like, you, you look at that. You bought the play. Hey, what do you know? So he recites the Band of Brothers speech, which is so powerful, you know, because it's about the military, kind yeah. of. Like, not so really. all of the soldiers stop training <laughs> yeah. and just sort of stand there listening to him. They're which, all like, oh, man, we also all stop and think about how important we are on St. Crispian's Day. And I'm like, uh... Okay, I understand. You want to have this be the big moment where he gives a cool speech and everyone stops what they're doing and they're like, wow, that's really touching. Except I'm like, he is facing away from everyone who is doing training and it is pouring rain. There is a 0% chance anyone can hear him except for that drill sergeant. The other thing is that the Band of Brothers speech apparently breaks Heinz because he's just like, no, no, you did enough. Just, Just... just just get back in line. And I'm like, dude, that's a fucking pro drill sergeant. He'd be like, thank you. Sit the fuck down. You know, he just, <laughs> he'll go home and cry. That's what drill sergeants do. They have one job and that job is kayfabe. Uh, but yeah, that's when DeVito gives him uh, Davis Jr.'s uh, records and is like, here, do with this, whatever you will. You know, you figure out what you got to do the right thing. And uh, I got to tell you, they don't. <laughs> the thing they do looks right but in practice, is incredibly stupid. Uh, so anyway, yeah, we get... Uh, we got to talk about the test. Yeah, we get the final thing where it turns out, he's like, oh, I'm going to give you all a final test, and I want to give you this test because, you know, then you'll have something you can look back on and, and say, like, yeah, I did it. I, I passed this test. I learned something, and nobody gave me anything. But he gets a chance to talk to Remar about this, and Remar's like, do not test these kids. They just needed to sit in your classroom one hour a day, five days a week, for All six weeks. All of them are doing better. All of their instructors and everything say that they've gotten much better at, at following orders and everything. 
you do not need to do this because this is the military and we fucking take tests seriously. We have a weird rule in the army where if we ever catch wind that anyone does any test at all, we have to send out a bunch of efficients and shit and they have to make it a real test that really matters. And he's like, well, I was just going to do it. I'm a civilian. I was like, just, you would never I, even see the results of the test. I was just going to test. I wasn't even giving him a written test. I was just going to ask them questions and they were verbally going to give me answers and he was like no it's in the constitution if anyone says this is a test to a military man they either have to pass it or get fired into the sun from a cannon <laughs> that's right look if any of them don't pass your class they're out of the military because that's a rule we just made up we have a weird rule where if you can't pass a test any test at all you're fed to lions any single test it doesn't matter Bug, i was just gonna ask him left from right don't do it <laughs> I swear to God. So he has to come I back. I press this big button that sends off the camp alarm if I hear of a test. All the all the people will come out and be like, test. Oh, there's a test. We got to watch it and make sure. Ring the test gong. Bring out the efficient. Uh, so he has to go into the class and be like, all right. And here's the real test, which is you don't have to show up to the final exam. But if you do, then you're going to get pride. But, you know, you don't get anything else. You can pass the class. You don't have to be there. You'll go on and everything will be fine. But if you take my test and you pass it, you'll know that something, something, pride and a job well done. That boomer, 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 something, something. The thing that keeps bothering me about all this is where is this sense of pride in completing tasks and so on coming from, given what we know about DeVito? Yeah. DeVito clearly coasted through Harvard into a cushy advertiser job. Hey, we uh, don't know that. We don't know. It seems like he did because he isn't taking his advertising jobs especially seriously. We only saw the one they say. We find out that this is his fifth job he's been fired from and he's burned bridges all over town. Yeah, but he used to be great. Yeah, used to be. That's like fucking Deck of the Halls, Danny DeVito. <laughs> used to be great, currently a weird little asshole gnome. Uh, so why is he like, listen, if you pass this course, you're going to believe in yourselves. And I'm like, the fuck? You aren't Rocky's coach. What do you just, you don't need, you didn't need this before. You don't need it now. You can, you just be like, hey, I'm not allowed to give you a test. I'm sorry. You all did amazingly. Yeah. Or just be like, you guys can come in and we'll do a verbal review. That is definitely not a test. But instead he has to be like, no, foot in the sand. You're going to do a test. And if you do, you prove it to yourself and you prove it to me and you prove it to every one of these fucks. You're like, where is this coming from? Why, why the bravado? But and luckily Jackson deflates him immediately like, dude, I need money. My baby's on the way. I need a job. I don't really give a shit about any of this. Like, oh, Band yeah. of Brothers, all Friday of Night them. Lights shit. What are you doing? <laughs> yeah. All of them are like, I don't think you understand. Uh, I, I want you to think back about six weeks ago when we told you all of our ridiculous, horrendous sob stories. No. Yeah. I'm I not, need this. I'm not going to spend the rest of my life rolling over to say Skid Row in that one song. <laughs> Down on Skid. Yeah. I want to be that guy. <laughs> Even if he sounds awesome. <laughs> but then, because, you know, they have loyalty. Uh, we, we skipped over the victory. Well, who gives a shit? He climbs the victory tower. Does Great. Danny that's his that's his big big display of getting the students back that's, to that, like that's him. him uh, that's him d displaying value. Is after they march out on him for for uh, for having the temerity to look for a job after this one, he goes to climb the victory tower and then rappel off of it. Yep. right in front of everybody. There you go. And he can do it, even though it's supposed to be impossible. And he is a tiny man with legs that don't bend right. Yep. <laughs> If anything, he should finish the, the thing and be like, yay, I did it, I did it. By the way, your test is clearly bullshit, because I did it. <laughs>
Why, why would you even be like, ah, here's a test of your ability. I did it. Look at me. I'm Danny DeVito. A mini fridge could do this. You <laughs> Parkour. Could get, you could get a fucking Star Wars gonk droid in here and it could pass this fucking ladder. Uh, Where'd you get this from? A preschool jimboree? Yes. <laughs> Stop. You're making the kids feel bad. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> but anyway, they all march in to take the test because that's the big dramatic moment. Yeah. All of them are there. They're all going to take the test. And wouldn't you know it, all of them have some manner of insight mm-hmm. to Hamlet. Yeah. So they're all, they're all getting asked questions. The, the big two moments out of the part where they're all asked to say one thing are... Uh, Mark Wahlberg, who gets shockingly little to do in this movie because it's his first movie role. Well, yeah. Uh, he gets he gets asked a question about Laertes, who he does not want to talk about because Laertes is a piece of shit. Yeah, he's like, oh, man, don't give me Laertes. Ask me something else. And you think, oh, it's because he doesn't know about Laertes. But no, he's like, I don't want to get asked a question about Laertes. You see, the Laertes question... <laughs> character is uh always doing what the king says now he doesn't have an ambition of his and he's like all right i get it i get it you didn't want to talk about him because you think he sucks but you're no if a an answer on a test is tell me about this guy who sucks and why he sucks you don't have to feel bad no but it's it was not all, a reflection on you no but it was all him being like eh wink it's because i actually i wanted you to think that i didn't know yeah but i do know because as soon as he finishes his thing he like leans over and smiles and he's like yeah that's right. I know about Laertes. <laughs> yeah. And then the other big one is uh, Melvin, because he's like, come on, Melvin, just tell me something about the play. Tell me anything at all. And he's like, you know, I've been thinking, because he's got a thick accent. You know, I've been thinking, uh, uh, the only two people left alive at the end of the play, and I, I don't remember who they are. You, maybe you do. Horatio and uh, uh, Benvolio. M- M- Maleficent. Yeah. <laughs> Rosencrantz and Guildenstern, nope. who are definitely not dead. <laughs> Rosencrantz and Guildenstern, happily alive. Yeah. And he's like, there's only two people left alive at the end of the play. One of them is Horatio. I forget the other one. Uh, a teacher, or sorry, a student and a soldier. Makes you think, doesn't it? And and uh, Davida goes, yeah, yeah, I guess it does make you think. Yeah, I guess. I, I, guess. I was going to pass you if you even said a sound. <laughs> I was, as long as you were awake, you were done. You, you were, were good. You were going to be fine. You could have said, and I would have passed you. If, if, as long as you could name Hamlet. I was going to go, what is the name of the play? Hamlet. And if you told me Hamlet, you'd be good. <laughs> you are going to ride a broom. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to be a witch is what I'm saying. <laughs> but they all pass. And then uh, because they all pass, we don't really have to deal with anything further until we get to the graduation ceremony. And oh, but we do get the big moment where he goes home and fixes his relationship with his daughter by spending a bunch of money. Yeah. He sells the award in advertising that he got like this giant silver dish. Yeah. Sells it to a pawn shop so that he can afford Tickets to uh, New Mexico for... Regular Mexico. Are you sure? Yes. It's regular Mexico? Because he says the moment you get off the plane, you'll be mugged and thrown in prison. I don't think Albuquerque is famous for that. Well, that depends on what you look like. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) But he gets her plane tickets and a brand new telescope as well. Yeah, a huge one. And she's just screaming. and She's like, oh, daddy. You spent money. That means I love you now. I was like, oh, come on. It's not the eight. This movie's from 94. Uh, Would you yep. unfreeze Penny Marshall in 1985? Bad Christmas, Dad. <laughs> Not even a Christmas movie. Uh, but yes, so now his daughter is with him at the graduation because he spent enough money that she likes him again. Now, the woman he's got a relationship with, they're not good enough yet to sit next to each other. No, he so, can just point her out. He's, That's the lady. That's the lady what your daddy got to stand on a ladder and get at. 
<laughs> oh, that's nice, Dad. Oh, she looks nice. She looks like she'd be willing to put up with whatever you are. <laughs> with whatever you got going on here. <laughs> I assumed the way I was born was you stole me from someone as part of a weird uh, trick because they couldn't guess your first name. Are you the head of cabbage I came out of? It's funny, I'm being insulting to DeVito, who is one of my all-time favorite actors. Yeah, uh, I'm not, but I you wanna, have to. I want to make this very clear that DeVito is a powerhouse tour-de-force actor, and I love him in everything he's in. But also, yeah, but he is al- Rumpelstiltskin. <laughs> <laughs> also, he is a funny, tiny person, and it's great. Uh, anyway, uh, but that yeah. is when we get, you know, everyone gets to be in the parade. They all passed. Hooray. They salute him, even though they're not supposed to break ranks to do that. They all salute him. And Heinz, who was leading them in the march... Uh, turns around and has a quick look, and he's like, I'm going to allow that because I have also come to respect this man. I have come to respect that you have turned these soldiers into, I don't know, Shakespeare enjoyers. Yeah, to better soldiers, and now I like Shakespeare. You can tell because when we do the credits, it's to me marching the students to a little song about how Hamlet's mom is Satan's Valentine now. Yeah, Uh, but we also get the big thing here where the colonel's like, oh, and we're all here, and we, we all love the military, and there's one person we don't want to forget. We're going to dedicate our entire ceremony today to uh, one of the forgotten soldiers that shouldn't have been overlooked. And you know who brought him to my attention is a, a civilian instructor, a Mr. William Rago. Could everyone please apo- applaud for him? Uh, and then let me just go give a, me- a medal to a guy in the crowd. They never say the name of the soldier that this event is dedicated to <laughs> on a microphone. Wow. They don't say it. They just go, this is all dedicated to one of the fallen soldiers. Let's all give a big hand to Danny DeVito um, over there. Yeah, a man who uh, in Vietnam stood his position so that he died so that an airstrike could be called in. And, you know, he gave his life so that dozens more could live. And uh, we're going to go give this silver star to his son. They don't say his name. And you know why they don't is because they don't say, and we're going to go give a silver star to his son. He just... They just cut to him in the audience giving the silver star to him, and it's because they want the buildup where Brian Davis is like, oh, God, maybe they're talking about my daddy. Maybe they're talking about, they're walking over here. They must be talking about my daddy. So that's so they can't just be like, we're dedicating it to Brian Davis Sr., devoted father and, and uh, decorated war hero, because they have to have the scene where they walk out to him yeah, and surprise him Yeah, he has to be audience. like... Oh, I got to cry when they get next to me. But what a fucking fuck up to be like, we're dedicating this entire event to one of the most forgotten soldiers in history whose name I will not say. <laughs> yeah. Great. Hey, hey, Colonel, did you remember the soldier's name? <laughs> uh, uh, it's a callback. It's a real piece of shit. You're just dedicating this to him to get laid. <laughs> uh, and yeah, then our final thing is, turns out DeVito is going to keep teaching his class because yeah that's the thing where he's walking we get a we get an end sequence where we establish that devito is comfortable here now because there's a guy who pulls up a delivery truck and is like hey where's the rpx and devito does the same thing that happened to him at the beginning of the movie like oh yeah half a click that way you're gonna pass the aspca you're gonna (laughs) you're you're gonna pass the naacp is gonna be on your left you're gonna pass navset sit rep you're gonna pass uh you're gonna pass this one kid he's always there (laughs) you're gonna turn right at the soldiers who are doing a a, a special doc seven maneuver and the guy's like what and DeVito's like, yeah, I know it's the army now. <laughs> <laughs> I just fucked that guy and over. I'm like, you, the one thing you should do here is remember what happened to you on day one. You have be like, been here and go that, six weeks, my dude. Go that way and take your second left. Yeah. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> 
But instead, he's like, ah, I got I'm now. The, I know the lingo. I'm not in the army, but I'm gonna pretend I is. And then he gets passed by a bunch of people who are like, oh, you're signing up again, right? Yeah. The colonel comes by in a fucking jeep and is like, hey, uh, we we liked what you were doing. You're gonna keep doing it. And he's like, yeah. And Heinz is like. Hey, buddy, good good, to, good job. Good seeing you. Good work on the but stuff. what's he doing? We don't even establish it. He graduated the six morons, or the eight, or seven remaining morons. Do they have another seven? What is he signing up to do? Well, the, the, it is a program that the colonel came up with, and this was the test. Ah. So I guess now it's going to be like an actual full-time thing. Maybe he'll teach more than one class every day. <laughs> yeah, it'd be nice if he did a little more work for his telescope-earning monies. Yeah, although I... Honestly, the end of the movie, all I could think was, well, what happens if your next class doesn't give a shit about Hamlet? Like, <laughs> you, you go in there and you're like, oh, yeah, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to walk in there, tell them about how Hamlet is about murdering fools and, and killing and sex, and then they'll all be my friend. Except I'm like, what happens when you go in there and you're like, so Hamlet? And like half of them go, yeah, someone tried to teach us Hamlet. That shit sucks. I guess you just have to run through all the works of Shakespeare until you find one that connects with him. He's like, let me tell you about the real OGs, the two gentlemen of Verona. <laughs> <laughs> look, you look Jewish, huh? <laughs> uh, real Shylock type. Huh? No, that, that's, Sir, uh, that's real please, terrible. Please do not do that. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Ah, uh, you're a lady and you don't particularly connect with Ophelia? I gets it, I gets it. Let's talk about the taming of the shrew. <laughs> I would love it. If he just kept going. He's like, huh? Uh, Twelfth Night. Anyone? Anyone? Twelfth Night? Much ado about nothing. Come on, someone. Anybody. <laughs> don't make me go to the histories, I swear to God. Henry VIII. Any... How about you look like Anne Boleyn? Hey, you. Richard? Richard Third? huh? Maybe? <laughs> Your name starts with a T. We're going to do Titus Andronicus. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. It just, I was left with so many questions of what the fuck he's supposed to be teaching now. <laughs> like, is it just Hamlet class or does he change it every time? And is he making enough money where this is something that he is comfortable with going forward? Because he mentions halfway through the movie that he's planning to pay his college, his daughter's college education, that he is, uh, that he's he has got alimony. alimony payments he's got to pay and all this. And he, and he's like, yeah, I live in a tiny room and sleep on a, on a cot. Do I make enough money that being a teacher like this for the rest of my life is... Good, or should I instead volunteer to do this for one hour a week at the Army base and then go be an advertising executive as I am trained for? I, I, it's interesting to no, me. No, you see, because as much as, he noble. as much as he was teaching these kids, they were teaching him. <laughs> well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go ahead and let him uh, the air out of his tires now and tell him that he learned everything you learn from a bunch of 20, uh, 20-year-old chuckle fucks with the first eight. The next 10 are going to be like, yeah, we pretty much have the same problems and the same experiences. Could you teach us Hamlet, please? And he'll get tired real fast. Oh, yeah. Well, that's why he only has to sign up per session. Yeah. So he just every six weeks, he's going to get to the end of it and go, all right, am I still inspired? And if the answer is no, he's like, and fuck you all. <laughs> I'm not inspired no boss. And then Remar comes in. He's like, hey, let me tell you about the real inspiration OG, a little soliloquy called Cymbeline. <laughs> He's, he's going to be like, I don't want to do this anymore. And he's like, uh-uh, we've got a crackhead in the next class. He's like, damn it, you got me. Oh, geez, a crackhead. <laughs> I ain't had one of those in my class yet. I just wanted to also work on him and have uh, Remar come in and be like, yeah, buddy, have you ever read Romeo and Juliet? Think about that. You know, Romeo was about to give up. <laughs> 
and then he died. <laughs> so think about that. <laughs> think about that. <laughs> Point a gun at him now. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you might call me an apothecary. You know, Peter, I'm also something of an apothecary. <laughs> uh, How are we for time? We're great. Good. We're very over. Because that's the end of the fucking movie. There you go. Now, let's go ahead and get into our bests and worst. Jeff, what was the best thing in Renaissance Man? Uh, I mean, I think probably the few military... I really like Heinz and Remar's performances a great deal. I thought they did a great job of con- of contributing what I actually wanted to see from a movie that's supposed to be like realistic military stuff, which is people who are polite but serious about their jobs. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I really like James Remar's performance as sort of a, a chummy guy. Who, oh yeah, loved it. Yeah, no, he's he's fantastic. I kept expecting him to have a villain turn because he's James Remar, <laughs> but. But this ain't vibes, and he isn't Julian Sands, so it's okay. So it's fine. It's fine. He can be a good. You can have a little friendly James Remar as a treat. Yeah, I mean he's he's Dexter's dad. That's he, fine. He's great. Well, yeah, but technically Dexter's dad does want Dexter to kill people. Well, he doesn't he, want he, him to he, kill people. He's just like, I know you will. <laughs> so you should kill bad people. <laughs> yes, but you should still kill people, Dexter. I'm a ghost. Kill people. I'm your ghost dad. Also, <laughs> I'm your ghost dad. I'm, I'm here with. You gotta assume that Dexter's dad did something wrong because both of his sons were serial murderers well that's because they both shared the same childhood trauma before they were adopted by his dad that's true and he didn't fix it well actually i called his James dad Remar. his dad only adopted dexter not the other one. Oh, the beat the ice truck killer was yeah that's right the uh, the only experience that they shared was that one they're they're, the, they're biological brothers that's right being in a room full of you yeah, know the, the, the people. Sh- shipping container full of blood yeah yeah um I, I haven't watched the first season of dexter in a thousand years so it's I, okay yeah. i understand yeah and but I, that's the good one <laughs> I really like the fourth one because it's got fucking Lithgow. I mean, Lithgow is the very fuck good. Out of it. I really like that. The, the seasons between one and four, they increasingly focus on the people in that cop department, which is the worst cop show there's ever been. Yeah. You're just like, shut the fuck up, weird little horny pervert dude. Oh, yeah. I, I'm sick of you. <laughs> the little pervert man and a sweet, sensitive guy who always wears Hawaiian shirts to his cop job. Oh, yeah. I was like, I don't I don't fucking care about Deb, Deb and her never ending cursing. <laughs> Just don't, I don't want to part, as soon as Dokes dies, you're like, fuck this police department, I want no part of it. (laughs) Yeah, the only thing that was keeping me around here was Dokes, and he gone. Yeah. (laughs) Anyway, mini Dexter review, there you go. Anyway, so that was your favorite part about it, was Dexter's dad. No, it was James Remar and Gregory Hines' performances. I like Danny DeVito a lot, too, but I wanted to call out these couple of side roles who managed to do a great deal with not a whole lot of available space. Of course. Yeah, so what about you? Ooh, I mean, I agree with you on Remar. I absolutely loved him. He did such a good job of being like, hey, I'm nice. Yeah. And yeah, he's an anchoring figure in this place that's tough for DeVito to understand. Yeah, it's it's good because he does have both the like, no, I, I very much am like pro what's going on here. I want to help these people, but I will take hardline stances. I just want to help you out as much as I can. There is a scene in the middle of the movie that's very forgettable, and we passed right past it, where the two of them go out for a drink together, and Remar explains some of his worldview and why he's really worried about these kids, because they come from terrible places. Oh, yeah, because uh it's right after the whole writing assignment he's like jesus christ these kids yeah. he's like yeah everyone has a story here you want to hear mine he's like no yeah <laughs> i do not <laughs> and remar's like yeah that's probably for the best look this isn't what you thought it was it's not just people who were like you 
but chose to waste all the opportunities that were given them. Yeah, it's not just, oh golly, these kids aren't trying because they're dumb. It's, these are kids who are fucked up and never had a chance. Yeah, the country is going to hell in a handbasket, and I was like, oh no, he's going to do a Republican speech. He's like, no, because no one's providing opportunities and education to the kids. Yeah. We need better teaching. And I'm like, good for you. Yeah, so I like Remar, but your favorite, I'm sorry. I mean, that was basically my favorite was fucking Remar was amazing in this. I That's fine. I like DeVito. There were only a couple like the the whole alphabet gag thing was kind of funny with the like, ah, you go to the R C E and not the R C F and you'll go by the APX. You're like, Okay, I get it. Yeah. They do a lot of they do a lot of shortening. I get it. It did kind of grump me up that the time when he's enduring it is funny. The time when he's doing it to someone else, I'm like, you should have learned how much oh, you hated this mean. when it happened to you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you're, you're not part of this team now. I'll, you're I'll, in your forties. You can't be in the military. I'll also call out. I'm glad that they didn't sex up Stacy Dash a whole lot in no, this. Beyond that one scene, uh, that where she beyond she, the one super embarrassing rap scene where she fly girls, and we we elided that part. We didn't really go into it in great detail, but she walks into the room to teach one day, and they're all like already like f- dancing, and then they do a rap about what Shakespeare is, and everyone gets a line. Yeah, um, and of course hers is about Ophelia because obviously that she's in the room literally in the room so every once in a while he could be like what do you think about hamlet and she could be like i think ophelia was done wrong <laughs> uh so worst thing in the movie for you is I mean, it that scene <laughs> uh i mean i'm pr- i i mean, the rap scene is embarrassing and dumb uh i think for me it it might be the Stacey Dash Punani scene where I was like, this is cheapening this character. Ah. She shouldn't be like, I'm the only woman in the room, so it's probably up to me to be really worried about who uh, the value assigned to vaginas. <laughs> I'm like, no, you don't need to do that's. <laughs> but I mean, yeah, the embarrassing rap is awful. And it, oh, was, it was cringy. I was like, oh, where's my 30 second skip button? Get me out of this. <laughs> uh, what about you? Oh, I'm going to say the immediately tacked onto the end relationship that DeVito gets. It's just nothing. I was like, nothing relationship. I was like, did you, DeVito, are you sleeping with this person just to get access to classified records? What the fuck is happening at the end of this movie? And even if you aren't, I mean, like, why is this relationship here? Why doesn't he just like appeal to someone based on value? Like, look, look at this kid. I mean, you already have that the wife of Jackson works there and is one of the people he was talking to and is the person he gets the records eventually from yeah he should have just worked her without trying to hit on her and been like hey look this kid look jackson's probably told you about brian davis jr in my class and what it means to him to learn about his dad and like then you could have had more we're like oh yeah you know jackson comes home and you know he's tired but he's been talking about your class you could have a good like actual where he finds out, like, oh, yeah, you know, I've been affecting them, but yeah. also you can see, like, he has a relationship he outside also, of that. He also doesn't need to personally hold the records. He doesn't need to be a hero here. He could be like, look, this isn't for me. Just, you can take the records and give them to James Remar or Gregory Hines. Look, Sergeant Cass. Give it to Sergeant Cass. He'll know what to do. He's the drill sergeant for Brian Davis. Let him have the records if you can't give it to me. Like, that would have been so much better than, oh, I guess... I guess DeVito's got to fuck his way into illegally obtaining records. Yeah. Like, it was just very weird. <laughs> He's just like, hey, let me put this all on the table. And by let me put this all on the table, I mean let me put my dick on the table. <laughs> all of it. Let me put my entire dick on the table. And uh, and did- if you can get me a nice stepladder so I can do that. And also his friend, 
Abraham Lincoln's dick. <laughs> Famously huge of dick. Uh, all right. Let's go ahead and rate this. We're each going to give it a zero to five. And combined, we'll give it a rating out of ten. Jeff. Uh, middle of the road. This is pretty much a th- two and a half for me. Like, I'm never going to watch this again. That's that's pretty much where I'm at. It wasn't awful. It's a lot of fun performances from people I actually kind of like. I like Remar. I like DeVito. I don't care for Wahlberg, but luckily he's barely in this. Yep. He basically is in it for a joke about how he used to be Marky Mark. Because they're like, hey, this boy doesn't have no rhythm. He doesn't know how to drum. Eh. You're like, I get it. He used oh, to, yeah. He no, was... there's a scene where he's singing in the shower, but he can't sing. That's right. He tries to sing some song in the shower, and he's like, yeah, yeah, And it's like, oh, I get it. This his, his first appearance in movies has to be a joke about how he used to be a music guy. Yeah. Great. Hooray. But I like a lot of people. It's just that these this movie's formulaic, and by the night, it's just stand and deliver in the army. Yeah. I get it. Yeah. So, two and a half. What about you? Uh, I mean, I think... I I'm, could be tempted to a I, three. I'd go to a three. I think it's... It is much less offensive uh, than I think a lot of these types of films end up being. It's still not great i mean i'm gonna be honest i have seen this one and i have seen stand and deliver i have not i I haven't even seen seen criminal minds i have not seen criminal mind dangerous minds whatever dangerous minds i have not no have you watched criminal minds criminal minds like a cop show (laughs) (laughs) but Uh, have you watched numbers (laughs) have you watched bones (laughs) how do i reach these bones (laughs) oh man i'm asking myself that all the time let me put all these bones I take on my the table. pants off and I'm like, how do I reach these bones? <laughs> With a stepladder and a soapbox. <laughs> and there it is. Yeah, there's the jokes. They've come around. But no, I've never seen Dangerous Minds. I mean, I'm familiar with the song Gangster's Paradise. Of course. Uh, and the Weird Al version of it. But you've Am- seen Amish Sister Paradise. Act 2, right? I have not seen Sister Act. Oh, you've never I've seen only, Sister Act 2? I've only seen one Sister Act. Ooh. Sister Act 1. Sister Act 2. Nice. Back in the habit. I have not seen it. I probably ought to. Yeah, she teaches these kids through the power of Christian music. That's cool. Well, yeah. Uh, But, yeah, like I said, I could potentially be talked up to a three. You don't have to. Yeah, I'm two and a half is pretty much where I I feel. feel, I feel like a five and a half is basically where this should sit. Just barely above average. Yeah, just slightly above average because of the talent in it. Yeah. I mean, like a lot of the people, even the, like, the eight people in there, all of them have done a ton of shit except for i think the brian davis kid yeah is like the only one who didn't go on to do a bunch of other shit yeah pretty much everybody in the room got famous for something else later as well and, and so did alana ubach the daughter yeah no uh, there's just a ton of people in here very talented so slightly above average yeah. there you go five Man, and a half out of ten i'm only just now remembering the song from the beginning when they were like the opening credits over like wrigley field and shit and it was that like 90s hip-hop jazz thing where it's like Ba-na-bong. Flip tip, trip Dantasia. Funky, funky. Yeah. You know that song? And I was just like, oh, hey, I kind of vaguely remember this. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So that is all for us. We will, of course, be back in another couple weeks with some more movie mastery. And if you want to listen to some more, you can head over to patreon.com slash system mastery. What's that? You can give us five of dollars funky funky and you will james brown (laughs) and you will unlock the bonus content tv mastery we are currently watching the flying nun from the late 60s it's a very weird show and lots of stupid crap so oh that's right i still have to do that tonight god damn it just made me sad oh so sad (laughs) 
Sean, I don't like doing one hour of work a week. I want to go back to being an ad executive. (laughs) Uh, So, yeah, you can unlock that. It unlocks also the monthly show, our afterthought. Uh, You can get all of our bonus content at that level. And, of course, if you want, you can just rate us, review us. You don't have to give us money. That just, you know lets us eat it just keeps us alive is all yeah if you want to rate us just go to ratemypoo.com which i assume is still there i'm sure as, it, uh, unchanged since 1998 i'm positive if you go to hot or not uh-huh. we're definitely on there we're probably somewhere in the threes hot or not dot podcast <laughs> obviously all these websites are still existent and all these website jokes from yesteryear are still landing <laughs> obviously this 20 year old joke is definitely working for everyone everyone's up to speed on this joke that could go to a bar <laughs> this joke is drinking now uh makes it funnier thank you so much we'll be back you guys all have a good one